Welcome once again. My name is Pastor Joe Marlin, and it's really fun to see some of you guys back after a while. And um, we are in a series called Kingdom in the Chaos. Kingdom in the Chaos. And we're going to sit in the Old Testament, right, for a while. So we're going through the books of Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. And I just want to pray for us as we dive into this word, okay? Father God, bless us, meet us, take these rags, God. Take these, these words of mine and set them on fire. Lord, we pray, Father, that we would be encouraged. We'd walk away changed. We'd hear from you. We'd hear your voice. That you'd minister to us, God. And not just to us, but you'd minister through us. That your word would be implanted in our lives. And then we would be a blessing to our families, our blocks, our workplaces. God, we pray, Lord, to be changed by you. That's why we're here. God, meet us. Visit us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we're back in this series. It was so fun last week. We had Brother Brian Park, Pastor Brian Park. Amen. He came and he shared a word. It was a nice little break from the book of Joshua. But we are back in the book of Joshua and um, after today, we're going to move pretty quickly through this book. And we'll be in Judges in a matter of weeks, but not today, right? We're so, not today, as they say. So we're going we're gonna to sit in this chapter 7 of Joshua, and I want us to dive right in, okay? So if you want, you can grab one of these red Bibles. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some folks here that this might be true of you. If you don't have a Bible, you do now. Steal this one, all right? Take this Bible, and you have a Bible now that you can read. And sometimes, you know, we might have a Bible at home, and it might be in language we don't understand. This is written at a, in a way that is easy to understand and is clear. And we want you to have it if you don't have one at home. Let's read Joshua Verse, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 to 9 together. Um, I'll read it for your hearing. The Israelites, however, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of what was set apart. And the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel. And he told them, go up and scout the land. So the men went up and scouted Ai. After returning to, to Joshua, they reported to him, don't send all the people, but send about 2,000 or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since the people of Ai were so few, don't wear out all the people there. So about 3,000 men went up there, but they fled down from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of them and chased them from outside the city gate to the quarries, striking them down on the descent. As a result, the people lost heart. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening, as did the elders of Israel, they all put 
dust on their heads. Oh, Lord God, Joshua said, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If we had only been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan, what can I say, Lord, now that, the Israel, that Israel has turned its back and run from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Then what will we do about your great name? This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. And so, if you remember, if you were here a couple weeks ago, or if you've been watching online, listening to the sermons on the podcast, last time we were in the book of Joshua, two weeks ago, the walls of Jericho came down. And God's people rushed into this fortified town, right? And God gave specific instructions And all the dedicated things, all the things that were used for worship, all the silver and gold, right? That had to be taken and it had to be given to the Lord's temple treasury. It it had to be given over to be consecrated, to be sanctified. But this guy Achan, who we meet and we hear about who he's related to, who his father was, who his grandfather was, which tribe he came out of, right? We meet this guy, and he's caught. The telescope focuses in on this guy because he took some of the stuff that God had forbidden for him to take And he brought it, and we'll learn later that he took it and he buried it under his tent. He thought he could get away with it, right? He thought he could hide from God. He thought he could hide from all of God's people. And then what happens? You know, these spies go out and they go to the next city. Joshua and God's people don't know about Achan, but God knows about Achan, right? And they are all feeling pretty good. They just defeated Jericho. And relative to Jericho, this next town is nothing. And so they say, let's just send out a few, a few thousand men. It's no big deal. We don't need to send the whole army. Now this word uh, for a thousand men, it, it's, it's this Hebrew word, elif, right? It's this he- Hebrew word, elif. And so we, you see it in verse 3, right? That, like, let's just send two or three thousand. And then, um, and then in verse five, in their defeat, right, they get chased out, they get shamed, they get humiliated, they get defeated. 36 men are killed. Now, I've explained this to you. If you were here, we had a, a message on how to understand. We're, we're reading like a really old book that uses manners of expressions that are strange to us, that like are living in a time thousands of years ago that we have to wrap our minds around. And we can just run into danger if we don't slow down and really look at the details. So if you look at this word for thousands, often this word is used as like military division. And also in the book of Joshua, when they're splitting up the land, they, the same book uses this exact word 
just to mean family division. Not that long ago, I was preaching about the, the scale and the numbers. We got to get the, we, it's not veggie tales, right? It's not veggie tales marching around this city. Now, the last day they walked, they marched around Jericho, right? The last day they marched around Jericho, they marched around it seven times, the whole army. Then they went into it, right? And they conquered it. Now, this town couldn't even have been as big as Gloucester City because you're not marching around <laughs> a town seven times with a massive army <laughs> and then flooding into it, right? And so what I was sharing with you in the past, I just want to remind you that what's happening here is that the Bible uses this language that can be confusing to us where it talks about wipe out the name of, wipe out the memory. And, and it's like this Old Testament OG like Big time language, just like Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, what should you do? Cast it out. But that's not the point that Jesus was making, but that we are in mortal combat with our sin. Not to walk literally maimed into heaven, right? And so the Bible uses this language to communicate to the people of old the way they would have talked. And this is how they would have talked. And so what we have here is they're like, let's just send, let's send like two, three divisions. How big were they? I don't know. Were they a thousand people? I don't know. But then we see the casualties is 36 men. I don't know if you've been watching like what's happening in Ukraine, in Russia. We're not talking about thousands and thousands of casualties in this battle. And yet, the result is, is that all of God's people are terrified that the rumors would spread that they were humiliated and that they were going to then have an existential threat. Why? Because the entire thing that's happening here, and we need to wrap our minds around this, is that is that God's people were called in the book of Joshua to a unique thing. They were called to disrupt all of these forts all throughout the land of Canaan where there was uh, trade, where there was pagan worship, right? Where they would offer their children into the arms of the god Moloch and they would have to beat the drums so loud so the mothers couldn't hear the children screaming. These, this is what's happening. They're not attacking the people in the farmlands. They're not attacking people in their homes. They're attacking these fortified places. And the reason they're doing that is because God and the way they were doing life couldn't exist in the same land. It couldn't become the promised land. It couldn't become what God needed it to become with these two people living side by side in power in power with the idols right there, with the trade, and they're in control of the trade, with the military strength. And so we see that God has called his people in this unique time. Thank God we don't live in this time. But he called them to disrupt the trade, the pagan worship, and the political power of the Canaanites to drive them out. That's the language most often used, drive them out. And whether this was hundreds, like an army of hundreds or thousands, here's the point. 
Joshua just made moves. <laughs> Do you remember when we were preaching about, like, the build-up to Jericho? We did, like, two or three sermons on that. God spoke. Remember when Joshua left the camp and, like, he met the commander of the Lord's armies? You remember? He, like, meets an angel. And you remember, like, God, like, speaks to him and gives him specific instructions of how they were going to get victory in Jericho. Do you see any of that in this account? It's all missing. It's all missing. Like, Joshua just does stuff. God's people just do stuff. They're like, this is a smaller town than Jericho. We don't need to send everybody. Send a few divisions. We got this. No big deal. You ever hear the expression, pride comes before the fall? Man, Joshua, the spies, and God's people were proud. And they fell. They lost. A bunch of... Um, a bunch of us went to go see the Jesus Revolution this week. We, like, filled up half the theater. It was really fun. And we were down, down at Cross Keys. or No, um, Summerdale. And um, if you haven't seen the movie, go see it. It's encouraging. It will really bless you. Um, it's in movie theaters all over the place. And it's about the, uh, the Jesus movement in the 70s. And there's this scene where, where they, this guy, this hippie guy, right, that is like gifted by God to just connect with the outcasts of society. And you don't really get this when you're watching the movie because that actor is older and all the actors are older. But they are all runaway high school students. Like it's, it's like they all came from like deeply broken families, ran away and started living together and studying the Word of God. <laughs> like, it's a different vibe when you understand that fact, right? And so they're, 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 they're um, seeing thousands of people get baptized at Pirate's Bay right there in the ocean every week. People are coming every day by the hundreds getting baptized, and the movement is spreading all over the country. And God is really using this this guy, this young teenage guy as a catalyst, and he's using this, this older pastor that was about burnout out and ready to give it up, and they're on this, uh, the Catherine Coleman show, and she was this, this, this like super charismatic lady that had a TV show on all the time, and, and they stand, he stands up, and you just see the moment where he's like, yeah, like, like it's amazing, like the stuff I built. Pride comes before the fall. Just because God has blessed us doesn't mean that we won't take every good thing from him and abuse it. Even crazy blessings like words from God and healing and supernatural miracles and movements and a lot of folks that have wandered their way into this church 
were on the tail end of something like that. They were at a church where God was moving and blessed them in that material sense, and the numbers were there, and, and there was just like God's hand was on them, and they took that blessing and turned it into abuse, and people have walked away from the faith. Or they have just sort of whimpered away, not maybe totally walked away, but they're like, I tried this. And these people, yeah, I don't know what to think. Because, like, they helped me, but at the same time, at the same time, they were using me. <laughs> they were abusing me. Like, they prayed for me and stuff happened. And, and I, I just am so confused, right? And so God can use people, but that still doesn't mean that you are forever safe from being an abuser or safe from going the wrong way through the road of pride. I learned this verse as a new Christian. It was Romans 13, 14. But put on Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You ever hear that expression? Make no provision for the flesh. What does that mean? I mean, it's not the way we talk every day. So let me break it down. Provision is a, a supply. It's a backup. And, and I remember growing up, my dad was an alcoholic, like a really bad alcoholic. Like when he didn't get a drink for a while, he'd start to shake violently, right? And <clears throat> some of my earliest memories were like my grandma finding the, uh, the bottles and dumping them down the, the drain or into the toilet. Right? To just find bottles and dump the alcohol. No provision means no little bottles of fireball in the drawer next to your bed. Right? No provision means no bottle of pills under the floorboard for a rainy day when things get really bad. No provision means you delete the, the contacts of your weed guy from your phone and you don't go back and you don't call them anymore. No provision means that you put something on your computer and you send a report to your spouse and to your friends so they see exactly what you're doing so you're not just drowning in an addiction to pornography. No provision means don't have a backup plan. Don't, like, like cut out all plan to sin, right? Like, just make a plan to follow God instead of having, like, a little plan B when things get hard. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't have a plan B for the flesh. But gratifying the flesh also means your ego, your pride. And this is what's crazy. We can look godly and just be pigging out on our ego. We can, like, we can be just like totally be stuck in our pride and doing all the righteous church stuff, right? And I've sat with many folks, right, who have been exposed to that hypocrisy, and they're done with that, right? Because they were led by men and women who had a provision. They made a provision for themselves. 
They had a backup plan for themselves. And I want you to know that serving God and doing ministry is a terrible place to get healed from your wounds. Do you hear what I'm saying? You, you, I know people come and it's like, I felt so good giving out groceries. I felt so good helping out with the kids. And there's a place for that, praise God. But here's what happens is that God doesn't want you to come around and serve. And so like you can have this sense of community and you can have this sense of being lifted up and doing something and having purpose because that quickly turns into feeding your ego, feeding your pride. I no longer do these things. I do these other things. You need your identity to be rooted in Jesus Christ alone and not all the good things that you do for him. You need to love people around you, not because you're desperately trying to like have a sense of being loved, but because you are the cup that's overflowing. You know how much you're loved. You know you're loved. You know you're good. You can serve other people. You're not drooling all this stuff, coming to church, grinding it out, praying every day. Maybe I'll get to heaven. No, you know you're heaven, and then that's just exploding in your life. God shows you, and now you get to serve him. You get to bless your family. You get to do stuff. See, we get it backwards. As serious as we are about fighting the sins of pleasure, we need to be as serious about fighting the sins of pride. But if you don't, and, and here's another verse. Numbers 32, 23 says, If you don't do this, you will certainly sin against the Lord. Be sure your sin will catch up with you. In the King James it says, Be sure your sin will find you out. Achan's sin found him out. See, we, we think that if if nobody knows about it, it doesn't hurt anybody. And if it hurts anybody, it just hurts us. And then we're also just believing all kinds of lies like we deserve to be hurt. No. <laughs> no. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live without hope. But here's an even greater thing. The things that you're doing don't just affect you. 37 people died because Achan took what was not his to take. God was disobeyed. The power of God had left Israel. The Canaanites were coming, and they, they didn't have the cities. You have to understand, they, they, they weren't set up in this land. They were living as nomads. They were wandering around in tents, and they were vulnerable. And it wasn't just men. They had the women and the children there, nursing mothers. They were absolutely exposed. It was either they were going to take over the land or be taken. There was no middle option. They were in a war for their future and a war for their lives. And so Achan is judged. Let's read about this in Joshua 7, starting in verse 10. The Lord then said to Joshua, stand up. Why have you fallen face down? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant that I have appointed for them. They have taken some of what was set apart. They have stolen, deceived, and put those things which were which their own belongings. 
This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They will turn their back and run from their enemies because they have been set apart for destruction. I will no longer be with you unless you remove from among you what is set apart. Go and consecrate the people. Tell them to consecrate what is themselves for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are things that are set apart among you, Israel. You will not be able to stand against your enemies until you remove what is set apart. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe of the Lord selects is the tribe the Lord selects is to come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord selects is to come forward family by family. The family the Lord selects is to come forward man by man. The one who is caught with these things is set apart and must be burned along with everything he has because he has violated the Lord's covenant and committed an outrage in Israel. And Joshua got up early the next morning. He had Israel come forward Tribe by tribe of of Judah was selected. He had the clans of Judah come forward. He had the Zerite clan was selected. Do you remember? Verse 1, the clan, the family. This is where Achan comes from. And so he grabs Achan. And Joshua said to Achan, verse 19, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and make a confession to him. I urge you, tell me what you have done. Don't hide anything from me. And Achan replied to Joshua, it is true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, five pounds of silver and a bar of gold weighing a pound and a quarter, I coveted them and took them. You can see for yourself They are concealed in the ground inside my tent with the silver under the cloak. So Joshua sent the messengers who ran to the tent, and there was the cloak concealed in his tent with the silver underneath. They took all the things into the side of the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out in the Lord's presence. Then Joshua and all of Israel took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the cloak, and the bars of gold, his sons and daughters, his ox, donkey, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Acre. Joshua said, why have you brought us this trouble? Today the Lord will bring you trouble. So all of Israel stoned them to death. They were burned. They burned their bodies and threw stones on them and raised over him a large pile of rocks that remains still today. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, that place is called the Valley of Acre still today. The God of Joshua is the God of today. The same God that loves us so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life is the same God that don't play. These, um, this, this family, this man, brought the deaths of 37 others and set all of the entire region against them. 
and brought fear into their camp. How should we respond to this? Well, thank God. Thank God that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Thank God that we live in a different age. Thank God that the gospel is clear for us. Amen? But as I preached a few weeks ago, the violence now, if we put our trust in Jesus, doesn't come from Jesus or come from us to sinners, but the violence falls on Jesus for our sin. Though he did nothing wrong, it's just like Achan was judged, we will see God's power and his blessing removed from us if we sin. This is important for us. It's not just about feeling guilty. It's not just about the effect of your sin in your life or your relationship between you and God. Our sin has an effect on everyone else around us. But we need to praise God that our Lord Jesus was struck down like Achan, although he did nothing wrong. See, it's like Jesus came and he gathered all the forbidden things in our life and he put it under his tent, right? It's like he took all the stuff that you've been scrolling on your phone. He took all the stuff that's in your drawers next to your bed. He took all the stuff in your heart, all the stuff that's on your lips. He took all the habits that you have and all the unconfessed sin in your life from your past, all the things that would rob you of his presence, all the things that would rob you of his blessing. It's like he took all that stuff and he put it in his tent. And so when, and so when like Joshua comes, right, and he says, confess this, get honest, Jesus became sin for us. The one who knew no sin became sin for us, that we who are full of sin would become the righteousness of God. See, you're not understanding the story correctly if you put yourself in the point of view of the Israelites who stone Achan. You are Achan. You're the one who took stuff you shouldn't have took. You're the one who broke God's commandment. I have. We all have. We all have fallen short. And we all need mercy. But Jesus is also, he is the scapegoat. He is the one who has been punished so that the whole nation can be blessed. Can we praise God? Can we praise God? Your sin doesn't just affect you. It's like pulling the, um, the pin out of a grenade, right? And then you're like handing it off to your friends. <laughs> when you play with the occult, when you play with unforgiveness and bitterness, when you play with sexual promiscuity, when you play with feeding your rage, maybe you felt powerless before. But in this situation, you've got power, right? And you're going to scare somebody. You're going to tell them off. 
because maybe you got bullied before, but not in this situation. That is demonic. Violence is demonic. Rage is demonic. Bitterness, unforgiveness, right? Looking for secret knowledge and power outside of God is demonic. They are forbidden things in every one of our lives that we just need to burn. Because <laughs> we want to be saved, <laughs> right? There just is. And I know you're in here and you're like, I don't know about some of those things. Like, that's like, like my whole identity, right? Like, that's who I am. And I want you to know that God is never going to let up on you. He is patient and persistent. And he is going to pull you in. And this is going to give you life. Right? This is going to give you life. Some of the stuff we think we got to give up is death. And we think, like, this is the way I have fun. This is how I express myself. This is who I am. This is my family. You don't understand. This goes back. This is my whole entire world. And I want you to know that just like Rahab had to reject her whole entire world and everybody she knew in her city and become one with the people of God, we too, we need to get out of the place of destruction that's dedicated for destruction. And we need to plant our flag with the Lord Jesus. But also, this is such a warning not to play with pride. Because as much as this is a story about the failing of Achan, it's also a story about the failing of Joshua. <laughs> right? Just because God did something great for you last week? Come on. And anybody who's been following Jesus for a little while knows about this. Right? You have a good day. You have a good week. You have a good month. You start to get a little cocky. <laughs> I don't need to read my Bible today. I'm riding the wave. <laughs> I'm doing good. I don't need to go to church this week or next week or, oh, it's been three weeks. It hasn't been that long. And you start getting a little, you know what I mean? You start to feel yourself. You start to say, me and God are tight. I know who I am. I am praying by myself. But you're not praying by yourself. You're just saying that. You want the little tattoo. Only God can judge you. Guess what? He will. That's a terrifying reality. <laughs> That's not something to, like, brag about. And so we need to come to God in all humility and not feed our ego or our pride. Let's not be like Joshua. Let's be like Joshua right before Jericho, where he's listening to God, right? Where he doesn't just, like, send spies off. Like, we do this. We, we, instead of praying about it first, instead of seeking God's will, we think, like, I kind of know how things work now. And I saw how he did it last time, so we're going to do it this way. And I, I want you to know that, that your wisdom is foolishness to God, and so is mine. Let's seek God and really listen to him and really go when he says go and stop when he says stop. Let's just be led by him, that we live in his blessings. Amen? Amen. May Jesus Christ...
that you let Jesus Christ take the grenade you already pulled the pin off in your sin and in your rebellion. Like maybe there's some areas of your life you made a huge mess and it's about to explode. You're going to get evicted. You're going to, you're behind. You're going to ruin relationships with people and they're the only relationships you have left. I want you to take the grenade you pulled the pin out of and I want you to hand it to Jesus. And he's going to be like Captain America. He's going to jump on that thing. <laughs> he can take it. He can take it. He hung on the cross, and yet he rose from the dead. He can take all the punishment that we deserve and all the consequences and all the stuff that was coming for us. Our sin will always find us out. Unless we come and get honest about it and we confess it, and we bring it to Jesus. doesn't mean that we're not going to have any problems. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face anything, right? But whatever we face in this life is nothing compared to what we'd face in the life to come with unconfessed sin. We have to confess it. And so I want to read that passage one more time as the worship band comes up. Verse 19, this is Joshua to Achan. He says, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and make a confession to him. I urge you, tell me what you have done. Don't hide anything from me.